In my opinion, all mahogany guitars are the sweethearts of the vintage guitar market. They sound like nothing else, and they don't command the absurdly high prices that some other vintage guitars do. On today's Acoustic Tuesday show, you'll be hearing three different vintage all mahogany Martins, born before the year 1950. In fact, one of these guitars is almost 100 years old. These guitars sound awesome, but more importantly, you're gonna get a true apples to apples comparison on how body size affects the tone of an acoustic guitar. So let's go ahead and hop in the time machine and check out these vintage beauties. Hey, TAC family, this is episode 293 of the Acoustic Tuesday Show, a show packed full of inspiration and fun designed to help you get more fulfillment, progress, and joy from your acoustic guitar journey. Throughout today's episode, as always, I'll be keeping you in the loop with some acoustic news you can use, including a metronome pep talk that actually makes you feel good, a new band called the Arnimals, and much, much more. Plus, we're gonna head to Italy to check out a guitar snow from one of our very own Acoustic Tuesday viewers. But first, let's check out some vintage Mahogany Martins from my guitar snow. First up on the list is this 1946 0017. I'm gonna tell you how I got this guitar and why I got this guitar, but first, let's do a little bit of a spec rundown. As I mentioned in the intro, this is all mahogany. Mahogany top, mahogany back and sides. The neck is mahogany. We've got a rosewood fingerboard, a rosewood bridge, an inch and 11 sixteenths at the nut, and this guitar is, quite honestly, a player's grade vintage guitar. It's been refinished obnoxiously. The inside is painted black, for some reason. The tuners are non-original, and I don't even know what tuners these are. Maybe these are shallers, I don't know. You can see the original tuner uh, footprints on the back of the headstock, but all in all, this guitar is very much non-original, but it sounds pretty darn awesome. So how did I get this guitar? Well, I was working at Music Villa. I saw this guitar come in used and didn't even think twice. I've always wanted a double O vintage mahogany Martin and this one just checked all the boxes and the price was pretty sweet as well. More on that in a moment, but let's listen to it again.
So why is this guitar in my guitar arsenal? To be 100% honest with you, full transparency, price. When I saw the price on this guitar, I didn't even think twice. I think it was around $1,300 for a 1946 0017. Um, yeah, I didn't even think twice. Now, that's no small chunk of change, but for this guitar, I was like, I can deal with it being not original. And as I mentioned, it is very much not original. The tuners are bizarre, the refinish is poorly done, and the inside is painted all black. But the tone, after I got this guitar, I found a niche for it. It's great in alternate tunings because it gives you this full sound, it's comfortable to play, and it really seems to accentuate those lower tunings, this, this beautiful deep resonance. Uh, I love playing it in like Dadgad or Open D. It just has a lot to offer and it's really comfortable to play. The neck isn't like a, a chunky V neck. It's actually kind of more of a, a soft V if I was to call it a specific shape. And uh, it just plays great. So I got it for the price, but lo and behold, it's actually a really important part of my guitar arsenal and a great compositional guitar. When I say that, I, I like to compose tunes on this guitar because it's comfortable to play and it has this beautiful, pillowy, beefy sound. Next up, a 1935 Martin Single O 17. This guitar has a hell of a story and it's Tony Furtado's fault that I purchased this guitar. But first, let's hear it. Before I get into the story behind this guitar, a quick little spec rundown, as you guessed, uh, mahogany top, mahogany back and sides, mahogany neck, rosewood bridge, rosewood fingerboard, inch and 11 sixteenths bone nut, Stumac vintage tuners, and no, it's not all original, but man, this thing gives everything you want from a small bodied all mahogany guitar. It's light as a feather, and man, does it have projection.
Okay, so how did I get this guitar? Well, the story goes back to Tony Furtado playing a show here in Bozeman. He was playing it live from the Divide, one of my favorite venues here in Bozeman. It's like a small 50-seat venue. Think of it as almost like a, a house concert in a way. And it's the first time I saw Tony Furtado play close up. And we had been communicating prior to his show, and he actually... I don't know what the circumstances were. He was staying at a hotel in town, but he's like, hey, if you want to you know, play my guitar over the, overnight, uh, you can go ahead and take it and, and play it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, so I did, and he has a single 017. I can't remember the exact year, but I fell in love with the guitar. And I marked in my brain, if I ever had a chance to purchase a single O all mahogany guitar, of any sort of vintage, I was gonna hop at the chance. And it was very serendipitous, I think that's the right, right phrase here, that one came in used to Music Villa. And as soon as it came in, my buddy Ross texted me, he said, you will not believe what ended up in the showroom. And he sent me a picture of this single 017, although it did not look like this because this guitar has undergone a quite significant amount of repairs. Um, there was, I believe, a top crack in it. There was side cracks. Um, the finish was destroyed all over the back and sides. Uh, the back was cracked. I believe it was actually missing some pieces, missing some pieces on the side as well. Not in good shape. Very um, close to unplayable. It went to a luthier here in town. Shout out Marcus Engstrom, one of the best luthiers I've ever had the, the joy of working with. He did a full-on revamp, refinished the back and sides, uh, patched all the holes, made it extremely playable, gave it a neck reset, you know, all the classic things you need done to an, an older guitar. Came back to Music Villa, I snapped at it. I snapped at it. I could not let this one go. I had a pickup installed in it and for a while, this was my main stage guitar. Uh, it sounds great plugged in, which I know is kind of a, um, maybe a, a, what's the word? Uh, let's just say that a lot of folks don't want to install a pickup in a vintage guitar, but I wanted to play it. I purchased it to play. And uh, I'm so happy I did because I love playing this guitar. It plays like butter. Uh, the neck is chunky as hell. It's actually pretty thin down by the nut, but as you get towards the body, the neck starts to get pretty thick, and I find it extremely comfortable to play. It has a unique voice. It has a powerful voice and one that I've absolutely loved to uh, play on stage with and also sing along with. It's a great uh, guitar to accompany vocals. The shower's a mole in the ground. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Timmy wants a nine dollar shawl. Come over the hill, all with a forty dollar bill. Baby, we've been so long.
So why is this guitar in my guitar snarl? Well, I kind of mentioned, I, I, just, I just wanted it. And I didn't realize I was going to put it to use so much in the flat picking world. Um, I had no intentions on flat picking this guitar. In fact, I purchased it uh, under the impression that this is gonna be my main finger picking guitar. And it's a great finger picker, but man, it flat picks like a dream. It does have a shorter scale length, so the strings feel a little bit noodly under a flat pick, but man, it just has this wonderful articulation and clarity that I really didn't expect. And I attribute that to the smaller body size. For some reason, these smaller body sizes offer great volume and great punch that is a great uh, a match for flat picking. Uh, so why I got this guitar? Uh, kind of to be a jack of all trades, but the flat picking was a bonus. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy I got it. I treasure this instrument. It is a joy to play. Every time I pick it up, I'm like, man, I'm so happy that this guitar is in my guitar arsenal. It's, it's a great uh, sonic weapon. Next up is a guitar that's almost 100 years old, a 1926 Martin size 2 17. This guitar has an awesome story, and man, if it could speak, the stories it would likely tell. But first, let's give it a listen. rundown on this guitar is very similar to the others with only a few exceptions, namely the body size. It's a size two, so it's smaller than a single O. Uh, it does join the body at the 12th fret, rather the neck joins the body at the 12th fret, so you get a different sonic palette altogether. Uh, mahogany top, mahogany back and sides, rosewood bridge, rosewood fingerboard, an inch and seven eighths at the nut, so a much wider string spacing. The neck, while it is a V neck, it's very shallow, uh, almost stunningly shallow. When you look at this guitar and, and when it was made, 1926, you would expect a huge chunky neck. 
not the case. It's actually pretty uniform in terms of its profile. And like I said, it's like a shallow V. It's like a hard V, but, but much more narrow than I would expect, much less deep than I would expect. I mentioned already inch and seven eighths at the nut, a slotted headstock, original tuners on this. They work fantastic. Um, the only thing that's non-original, uh, to the best of my knowledge was the bridge. It was replaced. Um, but man, what a treat. This guitar, just every time I pick it up, I just feel like I'm stepping back in time. So how did I get this guitar? Well, as with most of the stories I've told you so far, I was working at Music Villa. I feel like all the stories start out like that. I was working at Music Villa. This guitar came in on consignment. As soon as I saw it, I was smitten. And then when I played it, I was even more smitten. I fell in love with this guitar. The responsiveness from this instrument is undeniable. And as soon as I strummed my first chord on it, that was it. I, I had made the decision this guitar was coming home with me. So it came home with me and it's one of my favorite finger pickers of all time. So why is this guitar in my guitar snow? Well, I already kind of let the cat out of the bag. It's responsiveness. I barely have to touch the strings on this guitar and it is just giving sound. It's one of the loudest guitars in my guitar snow and it's also the smallest guitar in my guitar snow. It's extremely comfortable to play and anytime I do any sort of blues, ragtime finger picking, this is a go-to instrument. Uh, number one, because of the sound, but number two, the way that the nut width is, an inch and seven eighths, it gives me plenty of room for more complicated voicings and the string spread over the sound hole, closer to the bridge, is um, it's nice and wide. So for finger style, it's very comfortable to play and there's just, there's no other guitar in my guitar arsenal that sounds like this. It's dry, it's woody, it's responsive and it just freely offers sound. I mean, even just talking with this guitar in my lap, it's, it's vibrating and it is just light as a feather. This guitar is probably under three pounds, maybe. Uh, I haven't weighed it, but it is, it is extremely light and just a sweetheart of a guitar to play.
I also mm -hmm. should mention that this is a very geeky thing. This guitar has the original bar frets. Very geeky, but there's something when you look down and you see those thick frets, it's just kind of, it's like taking a time machine back to when this guitar was made. Very geeky, but I figured I'd mention it. Uh, of the three guitars I played today, which one's your favorite? Which one do you like the sound of the most? The 1926 size 217, the 1935 single 017, or the 1948 0017? I feel like I called it a 46 earlier. It's a 1948. I'm confusing it with another guitar that I have from 1956. We'll get to that one on a later show. That's not the point. Which of these three guitars is your favorite? And do you happen to like vintage Mahogany Martins? If so, let me know in the comments below. And one more thing, uh, you know, the interesting thing here is that all of these guitars are all mahogany. So you had a pretty interesting view, interesting comparison to how body size actually affects guitar tone. You have a very small guitar, a single O, and a double O. Uh, and again, uh, of the three, which was your favorite? And were you stunned by any of the guitars with maybe what you expected versus what you got? Let me know in the comments below. And as you're typing, I'm gonna get things ready. I'm gonna sit down at the desk and we'll do a little acoustic news you can use. First up on your acoustic news you can use docket is a story from David and the Devil. Now that name may seem familiar because I mentioned him on the Resonator Guitarists episode. Well, he posted something on Instagram that I found necessary to share. You know, we all have people in our guitar journey that give us the courage to play, that tell us, hey, you can do this. Hey, you sound good. Hey, you're improving. Well, David and the Devil acknowledged these very pivotal people in his guitar journey. Here's what he had to say. In Milton Keynes for Audi training this week. Went to visit my adopted parents after so long. I once worked for a recovery company in Yorkshire who sold to a company down in Milton Keynes, and instead of taking redundancy, I could keep my job but had to go live down in Milton Keynes. So off I went, hoping keeping a job would be a better option than starting again. Martin was a recovery driver at the recovery company I worked at, and him and his family took me in for a few years after I crashed my car looking for a place to stay one night down here. They treated me like one of their own. They encouraged me to play guitar in this living room all the time when I wasn't working. They also encouraged me to eventually play live for the first time. After a year or so, I had this guitar made and delivered to their home, which was about nine years ago now from Mule Resonator Guitars. If it wasn't for these two lovely people, I wouldn't have ever had the courage or skills to play music in front of people, let alone just be a better person because of them. So glad to see them both after so long. So cool. Uh, nothing really more to say about that other than to just pause and reflect on maybe the folks that have influenced you, that have given you the courage to continue playing, whether that's live or just continue progressing within your guitar journey. And speaking of progressing in your guitar journey, you know, the metronome is almost like a curse word. It just conjures up these, these feelings, these thoughts of sitting alone in a stark white room with one table and a metronome just click, 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 click but it's a really beneficial tool, all that aside. And Tony Rice is known for his timing, was known for his timing. And he has a very interesting perspective on the metronome and how timing and rhythm work within a band. And I think it's rather refreshing. And I think, I know you need to hear it. Here it is. There's a lot of bands that want to adhere to that real strict metronomic sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, if, if you could take apart an album say like the manzanita album where you got myself yeah. and sam bush and todd phillips and, and, and or ricky skaggs as a primary rhythm section 
if you could really get analytical about that and and, and break it down into beats, mm -hmm. uh, it, it would startle you as to how that varies in mm. terms of speed, constant speeding up, slowing down. It's constant. But still, to the listener, it's perceived as almost a pulse. Okay, to round out this first dose of acoustic news you can use is a late addition. An artist that I just stumbled upon that you need to hear. You may have already heard her, but chances are likely not. She's new to me, and I literally just added her to my show notes prior to sitting down and filming this episode. Bella White. Don't know where she came from. Don't know anything about her. I just know that you need to hear her voice. You need to hear her songwriting. Here she is playing the song, The Way I Oughta Go. Wow. Strap your shoes on because they will go flying off. Strap your socks on because they will go flying off your feet. Here she is. I could scream at the top of my voice. Still I would not be heard. Grab your guitar. Now it's time to see what the Tack family is working on today. Every single week within Tony's Acoustic Challenge, the Tack family rotates through the five essential skills. Your fluency in these five essential skills helps you learn songs faster. On Mondays, the Tack fam does a technique challenge, Tuesdays, a guitar lick challenge, Wednesdays, an improvisation challenge, Thursdays, a rhythm guitar challenge, and Fridays, a chord transition challenge. Today is Tuesday. The Tack fam is working on a guitar lick, and here it is. Your Tuesday Tack Guitar Lick Challenge is named My Baby's Gone because that's the song it comes from. Robert Belfour's My Baby's Gone. Here's how it sounds. Just a wonderful, self-perpetuating, very Mississippi Hill Country Blues riff. Notice I said riff and not lick. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Tack family, if you want to learn this note for note, please log in. This is your daily challenge. Click on start challenge. That'll take you to the teaching video. Once you're done with that, move to the play along video, adjust it to a speed that's comfortable for you. And then don't forget to click on that tab icon in the lower right hand corner so you can have the tab and the video right next to one another. Okay, so this lick, this riff, what's it good for? Well, first of all, let's talk about riffs versus lick. This is my definition. This is not a, uh, a widely known definition. This is how I separate the two. A lick is a single musical phrase that works great in a guitar solo. It works great as a fill. A riff has a little bit more rhythmic momentum, something that you can repeat, something that really encompasses the sound of a chord. So when a certain chord is going on, you can play a riff and it kind of gives you the same chord information, but in a more interesting way. And that's why I call this particular uh, series of notes a riff. I almost said lick again. Um, so if I'm playing an E chord, let's say I'm playing a blues in E. That's one way to play through an E chord. That's fine, it's interesting, it's cool. But if you wanna vary things up a little bit, you can introduce a riff, a repeated rhythmic phrase that insinuates the chord. Enter the lick or the riff that you're working on today. Mm -hmm. 
you can repeat that time and time again, and it contains that information of the chord. In this, in this instance, actually an E7 chord. I strum that chord, you can kind of hear all the pieces. And then I play the riff, and you can kind of hear that E7 chord speak through that. So in essence, using this in a musical context, you can actually substitute strumming or finger picking a chord for this riff. Case in point, let me go ahead and play through a 12 bar blues. What I'll do is I'll play two bars of an E, just kind of standard, and then I'll move to this riff, and then I'll move to an A7. So you can kind of hear how it, it frames itself quite nicely in the blues setting. Here's how that sounds. kind of just repeated the first half there coming back to the E, but I think you get my drift. This is, sometimes these riffs can just take the place of a chord and still give you the same information, but again, in a more interesting way. Just something to think about as you're learning things on your own, as you're learning this, always ask yourself, can I classify this as a, a riff? And again, that classification means you can repeat it and it kind of hints at the chord. It contains that that chord information that is so necessary when you're playing rhythm guitar. Now, one quick thing I wanna mention before we get to the show is tension. You holding tension, me holding tension. It affects your playing significantly. And the reason I bring it up with this particular riff is that the looser your picking hand is, the more success you will have with this riff. Because it involves some strumming and, and a mix of, of, of thumb action as well, the looser, more relaxed your picking hand is, the more success you will have. As you're working through these notes, you can see that my, my hand's just kind of falling into the strings. That's what I want you to try and cultivate. Of course, with this, but with other finger picking things that you may be doing. The more tense you are, the more rigid and, and stiff your playing sounds. And ultimately you can get caught up on the strings because you are so rigid and stiff. So try your best to loosen up. And I wanna call attention to my, um, my polka dots here. I'm not turning into a polka dotted individual, uh, but I have experienced holding a lot of tension in my picking hand and I'm doing everything I can to mitigate it because I know for a fact, the more relaxed I am, the better and smoother I play. So this is from a sports uh, physical therapist. I had some cupping done on my forearms and I gotta tell you, holy smokes, did it make a difference? I'm not saying that you should go run out and get that done. What I am saying is that the more tension you hold over time can result in injury. I don't want you to have to do this. I don't want you to have to turn into a polka dotted person. So try your best to relax, relieve that tension, take a deep breath, and approach those strings in a more calm, relaxed fashion. Dig out your passports. It's time to head to Italy to see a guitar signal from one of our very own Acoustic Tuesday viewers. This is Paolo Gambarelli, also known as Paolo Ironleg from Reggio Emilia, Italy. Here's what he's got in his guitar signal. A 2006 Martin DX1R, which was a gift from his wife, a 2017 Taylor GS Mini, a 1976 Liuteria, Mizi Modena, a 2021 Martin Road Series 0013E, a 2022 Siegel S6 Original that he bought in Toronto, a 70s Mandolino Mizi, a 2015 Eco Echo 
ukulele. Last January, he goes on to say this, uh, last January we were in isolation due to COVID and I showed my wife your wonderful YouTube channel. So she gifted me the t-shirt for our 33rd wedding anniversary. My very first guitar, a Pedro Martinez Cadaquez, I got my pronunciation is awful, uh, model Valencia of 1976. It's too beat up for the photo, but it still sounds good. I lent it to my friend of Toronto named Tony, hoping that he too can follow your wonderful channel and start his own guitar journey. Paulo, thank you so much for sharing your guitar arsenal. Thank you for giving us a little personal insight into your guitar journey. And if you wanna be like Paulo and you're thinking to yourself, I wanna get my guitar arsenal featured on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Please do so, it's super easy. Everything you need is in the description below. There's a link to purchase a t-shirt and then also there's a link to upload your photo when you wear your t-shirt amongst all of your guitars. You can describe your guitars, tell a little bit of a couple stories, two, three, four, five, six stories, and I'll feature your guitar arsenal on an upcoming Acoustic Tuesday episode. Side note, I want you to know that those guitarsonal t-shirts that you purchase, 100% of the proceeds from those guitarsonal t-shirts goes to Guitars for Vets. And I think that's just awesome because by sharing your guitar arsenal, by proclaiming your guitar geekness, you're also helping a cause that is truly life-changing. So just keep that in mind when you go to purchase those guitar arsenal shirts. Uh, there's a lot of options there, but um, all the proceeds from those shirts is a donation directly to Guitars for Vets because that's an organization I believe in wholeheartedly. Moving on to your second dose of acoustic news you can use. And first up is somebody I wrote in my notes, guitar multitasking at its best. You know, sometimes you sit down and you wanna play guitar and it's fun. And then you wanna sit down and sing with a guitar and that's fun, but oftentimes the wheels come off, right? You open your mouth and all of a sudden your strumming hand stops working, your fretting hand doesn't know what to do. Well, this individual took it about 14 steps further. This individual is playing guitar and also playing the drums while riding a bike don't know how he came up with this, but he did, and you need to see it. If you've watched the show for any amount of time, you know that I love tattoos. I love getting tattooed. I love the art of tattooing. I love the community of tattooing and tattooers. And I was actually, this is, this is pretty ironic. I was sitting in the chair getting tattooed and I was, you know, leafing through Instagram, leafing through Instagram, scrolling through Instagram. And I saw that Rhett Shaw, and an awesome guitar YouTuber just got his first tattoo. So I wanted to share it with you and say, congratulations, Rhett. It's an awesome piece. And a shout out to the artist. Uh, Rhett's post says this, first tattoo yesterday, thanks to at Wes underscore art underscore for such an amazing piece. If you're in the Denver area, look him up. The piece is awesome. And uh, congrats, Rhett, on your first tattoo. It will likely be the first of many. Um, they seem to be rather addicting, or maybe I just have an addictive personality. I don't know. I love them. Rhett, I love your piece. It's It just looks awesome. So uh, keep it up. Maybe get another one or two in the next coming months. Uh, really great stuff. Uh, next up, oh, this is a new band you need to know about. Have you ever heard of the Arnimals? Well, if you haven't, you're about to. You know, there's this thing on the internet. This is, I'm gonna show how much of a technological Luddite I am. I think that's the right word. Um, there's this thing called deep fake where you can put someone's face on 
a famous video or a famous movie. Well, an individual did this with the animals playing House of the Rising Sun. And the face that they superimposed on the band, the animals, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they also dubbed in his voice. It's absolutely hilarious. And you need to just behold. You need to see the sights. You need to hear the sounds. And uh, here is, here uh, making their debut, here are the Arnimals. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. A poor boy with God I know I want. And continuing the theme of bizarre internet guitar related things, a uh, lot of talk about AI lately. Writing music, doing art, writing poetry, doing math problems, yada yada, AI this, chat, GPTQ, FQZ, that. Uh, I have no idea. I kind of stay out of that. Um, but. I found something that was very interesting that involves AI. From the account on Instagram, Guitar, aptly named, uh, they asked AI to design guitars inspired by film directors. Check out the results here. We've got a guitar inspired by Stanley Kubrick. We've got Guillermo del Toro. We've got Tim Burton, my personal favorite, and you can probably see why. We've got Hayao, Hayao Miyazaki. I'm unfamiliar, obviously, with some of these directors. Uh, we've got Wes Anderson. We've got the Duffer Brothers. And I just thought it was kind of interesting to say, hey, if these filmmakers design guitars, what would they look like? I don't know. The results are kind of cool. It's kind of a, a you know fun little trivia thing, fun little kind of off the wall thing. I don't know, I'm just trying to be hip with the kids and the AI, right? Anyways, I think on those uh, artificial intelligent notes, I don't know if I can say intelligent. On those notes, I think it's a great time to wrap up the Acoustic Tuesday show for today. But first, let's take a sneak peek into next week. And next week, is part one of a series of banjo episodes. Yes, episodes dedicated to the banjo. You're thinking to yourself, tone, 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 tone. Acoustic Tuesday is a guitar-related show. Where the hell are you coming up with this banjo stuff? There's a lot of commonalities between the banjo and the guitar. And that's what these banjo episodes are gonna do for you. Now, next week is part one, where I'm gonna share with you some inexpensive banjos. Okay, there's been a lot of questions from guitar players, from TAC family members saying, hey, you know, I kind of like the sound of banjo. Kind of curious. I'd love to try one out. What's a great starting point? Well, that's what next week's episode is about. Some inexpensive banjos that you can get your hands on to start, well, trying out the banjo. And you'll be surprised at how the banjo connects to guitar. I know I said that before, but... We're gonna kick off the banjo episode part one with banjos and getting one in your hands. And then part two of the banjo episode series, which might be three parts, I'm not sure yet. Part two is gonna go over how the banjo is connected to guitar and how you can intertwine the two. It's gonna be a really fun couple of weeks. That's coming up next week on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Remember, you can catch Acoustic Tuesday every single Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Before I let you go for today, please do remember this. Your guitar success, however you define it for yourself, is directly related to your guitar routine. So please invest the time in developing your guitar routine and make sure to have fun every single day that you play. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your valuable time with me. And I'll see you next Tuesday on the Acoustic Tuesday show. Cheers to you. Guitar Geeks Unite.